exploring Middle Earth. My name's Jay, and across from me is Grant. No intro, just Grant. And across from me is Jay. Yes. Um. So yeah, welcome to Exploring Middle Earth, the Middle Earth podcast about Middle Earth, all things Middle Earth. The podcast by Middle Earth for oh, Middle Earth. Earth. Uh, okay, so today we are doing an episode on the children of Fingolfin. So... Last episode was the Children of Finarfin. We did Finrod, Galadriel, uh, Ignor, Elrond. Oh, (coughs) (laughs) nope. Ignor and Emgrod. 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 Um, and yeah. So today we're doing the Children of Fingolfin, who is the elder brother of Finarfin, and the younger brother of Feanor. So I'm gonna start us off with uh some history of Fingolfin. Uh, he is probably one of my favorite characters from the Silmarillion. Oh, really? Silmarillion. Breaking news, dude. I didn't know this. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, dude. That was just such a funny way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> that got me going. <laughs> I'm going to start using that. <laughs> oh, breaking news, dude. I didn't know this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a very silly mood. Okay, so <laughs> he's in a silly mood. Yeah. So uh, this is a silly podcast. Fingolfin, he was the second son of Finway, so he was uh one of the Noldor. And uh he was the first child though of uh Finway with his second wife, Indis, and Indis second was, wife. Yeah. What Spur- happened to the first? Uh she died. Ooh. Uh soon after having Feanor cuz Feanor like spent so much of her energy. We'll get into that when we talk about Fanor, probably next week or Dang. next episode. So it was pro- he probably wasn't a good husband if she died. Yeah, well, I'm sure. <laughs> Marriage problems. Dude. Hey, hey, hey oh. Problem she's not alive. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, so Indus was his second wife, and she was one of the Vanyar, which explains why Finarfin had golden hair rather than black hair, but yeah. Fingolfin had black hair. Um, and yeah, so he was full brother, and his uh, uh to. Finarfin, and he was also elder to Finarfin, and then he was half-brother to Feanor, but he was younger than Feanor. And he was born in the years of the trees, 1190. Good Um, year. Solid year. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then he also had two sisters. Uh, Findus was his older sister, and Irame was his younger sister. Uh, Both both with uh, Finway and his second wife, Indus. So what happened to the Finn family name with Indus? Don't ask me. I don't know. I wasn't the one naming them. They're like Finn, 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 no Finn. Finn, 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 in. <coughs> in. Okay, That's so. That's just Finn without the F. Yeah, right. <laughs> Definitely. Fruit, fruit. Uh, so this is uh, where I was reading last episode was page 60 of my version of uh, the Silmarillion. So the Grant version. The Grant version. So uh, there's just a little sentence here. Uh, Fingolfin was the strongest, the most steadfast, and the most valiant of his brothers. Um. <coughs> And then here we go, here we go. Okay, so the sons of Fingolfin were Fingon, who was afterwards king of the Noldor in the north of the world, and Turgon, lord of Gondolin. Their sister was Arathel the White. She was younger in the years of the Eldar than her brothers, and when she was grown to full stature and beauty, she was tall and strong. I had to burp, sorry. That's fine. And loved <laughs> much to ride and hunt in the forests. There she was often in the company of the sons of Feanor, her kin, but to none was her heart's love given. Arfaniel she was called, the White Lady of the Noldor. For she was pale, though her hair was dark, and she was never arrayed but in silver and white. Wow. So that's just a little bit about the children of Fingolfin. Except there is another one that we are including who is not 
in the published version of the Silmarillion, and his name is Argon. Like Argon. the the element on the periodic table of elements, there is oh. an element called Argon, but it, it wasn't named after that. Do you think the periodic table thing, the the thing was named after him, or no? Probably not. No, because I don't think it was a very common yeah. knowledge, but... I don't know. I'm just <coughs> kidding. Yeah, I'm, smart. I'm smarter than that. I'm just kidding. Yeah, but well... <laughs> <sighs> okay, so... Uh, <coughs> Fingolfin never had a close friendship with his elder brother Fanor, uh, given that they had different mothers. But when Melkor and Morgoth was brought to Valinor, uh, Melkor and slash Morgoth, Morgoth. <laughs> uh, he wasn't called Morgoth. That's that's what I meant to write. That's uh, okay. Was brought to Valinor to serve his sentence. Uh, he eventually planted seeds of like uh, deceit into the Noldor, and uh, especially among the children of Finway, he he lied to a lot of them. Uh, Melkor lied to both Feanor and Fingolfin, telling them that the other was planning to drive them out of Tyrion, which was the city. Mm -hmm. um, so Feanor first began to call out the Valor for not giving the Noldor free reign over Myrtle-Earth. Myrtle <laughs> Sorry, I'm talking fast, dude. I love it. Slow down, Grant. <coughs> okay. We're not in a race, okay? Right, right. Uh, so... <coughs> Uh, yeah, so he, he he was calling out the Valar for not giving them free reign over Middle-earth and uh, for keeping them basically, or what he thought, captive in Valinor. And Fingolfin was not of this mindset, and he asked his father, Finway, to restrain his eldest son. But Feanor had secretly forged armor and weapons uh, in his hall in the north, and he entered the hall where both Fingolfin and Finway were sitting, and he threatened Fingolfin with his new blades. Oh, wow. And uh, hoping to avoid conflict and bloodshed, Fingolfin just bowed to his father and left quietly. But Feanor followed close behind, because he wasn't done yet. Then, out in the public square, Fingolfin's elder brother threatened him again, but this time he drew his sword and placed the point upon Fingolfin's breast. <sighs> well... <laughs> I don't know why I made that noise. It's sorry. okay, Grant. Being publicly shamed, Fingolfin walked quietly away. Dang, that's embarrassing. He said, I'm not about this, man. In <laughs> uh, after days, when Melkor had destroyed the two trees and then was named Morgoth, so now we can refer to him as Morgoth. That's all I had to say. Okay. Uh, when he destroyed the two trees and escaped Valinor with the three Silmarils, Fingolfin apologized to Feanor at a feast and called him half-brother in blood, full brother by heart. That's nice of him. Yeah, he apologized for Feanor, basically. Yeah. So now they were, I wouldn't say they're best buds, but now they're at least, yeah. They're to or, they or tolerate closer. each yeah, other. Right, right. Um, so yeah, now that the Silmarils were stolen and King Finway was murdered in the process, Feanor became king of the Noldor and Valinor, and he rallied them with his fiery spirit and words to leave the bondage of the Valar and explore the lands of Middle-earth for themselves to establish rule and regain the Silmarils. Um, and his words were so potent that even Fingolfin and his younger brother Finarfin and their sisters followed suit, and uh, Fingolfin himself actually led the largest host of the Noldor northwards following his brother's host. Mm -hmm. And as we know, Finarfin leaves the voyage about halfway after hearing the doom of Mandos. And we know that because we did a whole episode on him and his children. And you would know that if you listened to the episode or yeah. have read the Silmarillion. Yes. Or just knew that. Yeah. Or if your dad or mom told you, or your grandma or grandpa. Or aunt, uncle, Or brother, younger sibling sister. or older sibling. Anybody could have told you. Cousin. Anybody could have told you. Work friend. Non-work friend. <laughs> um, <coughs> which would just be a coworker. Work enemy. <laughs> work enemy. <laughs> Wenemy. <laughs> it's 
like a friend enemy is a yeah, friend of me, but your work enemy is your when enemy. When enemy. Or work me. Work me. No. Work me. Work me. Anyways, work me sounds like Mario saying work me. Work me. Princess Peach, I want you to work me. Okay. So after the first kinslaying at Alcalonde, uh, and when Feanor acquired the ships that he stole there, actually, yeah. he didn't just Oof. acquire them. He Oof. stole them. Uh, he used them to sail uh, to Middle-earth, but he left behind Fingolfin's host because he, he didn't really trust that they uh, would keep their oath. Well, they didn't actually make an oath, but he didn't trust that they would basically... It's hard to keep an oath if you don't make an oath. <laughs> right. But he, right. Didn't, he didn't trust that they would basically follow his lead in doing whatever they could to regain the Silmarils from Morgoth. Yeah. Uh, so he basically just left them behind, and then when they landed at Lascar, uh, in the Firth of Drengist, uh, he burned the ships, as we've talked about. And with their elven sight and senses, the host of the Noldor under Fingolfin could see the blaze across the seas, and they were angered and dismayed, rightly so. Yeah. But they were too far gone from Valinor to turn back, so they risked the treacherous Helcaraxe, which is the icy wastelands, yeah. which kind of connect the north of Middle-earth and uh And just a Amman. sick word. Helcaraxe. Helcaraxe. Yeah, sick, dude. Uh, many Noldor died on the journey, but the majority survived and made it to Middle-earth. Um, and then on their journey to Middle-earth, the since the two trees were destroyed, the light source, the moon first rose and sailed across the sky. And this gave the Noldor hope beyond hope, because now that there was like a light source, they had hope against the orcs of Morgoth. Um, and then now I'm going to talk about the little known son of Fingolfin named Argon. Argon. Yeah. Just a little known one. Yeah. So Argon is um, the youngest son of Fingolfin, and he's not in the published. Uh, version of the Silmarillion, but he is found in later writings of Tolkien uh, to be like an actual son of Fingolfin. It was just kind of when Tolkien was developing his genealogies and some of the history of the Noldor, he came up with Argon because it was like it kind of like added another tragic uh, character to the Noldor just to kind of you know feel their pain and That's all that. That's what sort the Noldor yeah. needed another tragedy. Yeah, another tragedy. We could all use more tragedy. Yeah, okay. 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 Yeah, sure. Uh so he is I would say uh canonical character. He's not like a he's not like a discarded character because he was in later writings, so it showed that Tolkien was actually interested in putting him in. Mm -hmm. But uh Christopher Tolkien never did cuz Christopher Tolkien is not his father. I'll just say that. Yeah. That'd be weird if he was his father. Yeah, that'd be crazy. His own dad? That'd be like that's a paradox. That'd be like King Doran the 3rd. And his son being wow. Prince Doran the Fourth. Whoa, that's weird. Whoa, that's not supposed to happen. That's weird. Uh, <laughs> uh is <laughs> I don't know. Oh, what's going on? Uh, is anyone else catching this, <laughs> or is it just me? <laughs> Anyways, uh, his father called him Arakano, which was Quenya for High Commander, and it was Cinderized to Argon. So Arakano Argon, uh, which is basically like ancient Latin. If you take like a word from that, and then you look at like a romantic, look one of the romantic languages, like uh, like French or yeah. like Spanish or something like that, you can see like the resemblance of like the Latin word, and then the more modern, like French word or something like that. That's basically what it is from Quenya. That's how it's described as basically the Elvish Latin. You look at a word in Quenya, Atacano, 
and then you look at the word in Sindarin, Argon, and you can see the resemblance, even though it's not quite the same. So yeah. he was called Argon in the records, even though like they in didn't the record books. Yeah, they didn't speak Sindarin like until they had established themselves the Noldor until they established themselves in Beleriand because Sindarin was the main language of Beleriand. So he would have just been called Atacano, but for the history books, basically, he was called Argon. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So he was born sometime between the years of the trees, 1362 and 1495. And I'm saying this because his, uh, the next oldest um, above him was his sister, Arathel, and she was born in 1362. And then I think when the Noldor marched to uh, Middle Earth, like, when uh, they were leaving Valinor, I think that was 1495. Mm-hmm. So obviously he had to been born between those times, but it wasn't there wasn't obviously an actual date. Yeah, obviously. so so there's only a little bit about Argon. Uh, when the Noldor arrived on Middle Earth, right after the rising of the moon, uh, they were assailed from the north by orcs, and they were c- caught by surprise. And in this battle, uh, Fingolfin's youngest son Argon was slain. But in this battle called the Battle of Lameth, in which Argon was killed, he won renown before his death by leaving a path of dead orcs and slaying the great orc captain. So he good for him, you know. He made a name yeah. for himself. Yeah. So he at least you know it's it's tough being the youngest kid. Yeah. I wouldn't know, and you wouldn't know. I wouldn't know at all. Neither of us would know. No. I'm not even like the middle. Sh- you aren't either. Mm-mm. No. It's tough having an even number of. When your parents have an even number of kids. Yeah. My wife is a middle child. I thought she was your wife. (laughs) Okay. Not a middle child. Yeah, what? You married a child, Grant? Oh, (laughs) jeez. Let's not say that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So that's all there is for Argon. So now I'm going to return just a little quick. 180 back to Fingolfin. Yeah. So, uh. In Fingolfin's great anger against his elder half-brother and against Morgoth, uh, uh, he rode all the way to Angband on his horse, Rokalor, which I think, uh, I'll look it up in a sec, but Rokalor was his horse, and it means something cool, I'm pretty sure. I know the 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 first part of the word, Rok, is used in the word Rohan. Well, that's kind of like the rook of a chess piece. That's the hor- little horse guys. Those are called rooks. Sure, we'll do that. I don't know if there's a connection there, but I made it. Oh, that's Jay's connection. You know what? I really hyped that up for nothing because mm-hmm. Rokalor, it just says, is the word for horse, and then the second element is an unknown meaning. <laughs> so all we know, his horse's name is horse. Horse. Basically. But um, but I was what I was going to say is the first part, rook, is the same first element you find in Rohan, because Rohan at first was called Rokand until it was shortened and simplified by the people who lived there when they first lived there to Rohan. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Thanks, dude. You're welcome. Yeah. So, so he I rode all the way. <laughs> he rode all the way to the gates of Angband on his horse Rokalor, and he smote upon the gates of the Dark One's fortress. Uh, Morgoth quailed and did not answer. And Fingolfin rode back to the land of Hithlum, where all the Noldor were encamped, because he realized he would not be able to defeat Morgoth just by fighting him one on one. And uh, and then Fingolfin chose the northern shores of Lake Mithrim to rule over. After Feanor's death, which was um, like right after a battle, I'm pretty sure, uh, Mithros, his son, became the High King of the Noldor, 
and Mithros was captured by Morgoth and was kept on a precipice of rock. We've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was held aloft by an iron band around his right wrist. And Fingon, Fingolfin's eldest son and good friend to Mithros, came to his rescue. And due to his actions, Mithros waved his kingship of the Noldor to Fingolfin's line. Uh, so thus Fingolfin became the new high king of the Noldor and Beleriand. Um, so now we come to the Dagor Aglareb, which means the glorious battle. And this was one of the few certain victories for the Noldor in which they were definitely sure they won. Yeah. And Fingolfin held a siege against Angband for nearly 400 years. So that's how victorious they were. They were able to kind of hold Angband under that siege for that long. So that's pretty like We're pretty positive about this one. Pretty sick, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. But the siege of Angband was ended with the Dagor Bragalak battle of sudden flame in which he unleashed his dragons under Glaurung. Um, and after the Noldor's defeat, Fingolfin rode once more to the gates of Angband like he did before and challenged Morgoth to single combat. And so once he was challenged, Morgoth did not want to show to his captains that he was afraid of Fingolfin because Fingolfin was mighty. And, uh, so Morgoth accepted the challenge. And though it was said that those who saw Fingolfin's ride to Angband said he was like Orome, who was one of the Valar. Mm-hmm. For a great madness of rage was about him, so that his eyes shone like the Valar. And then this is a line from the Lay of Lathian. Um, so this is not like the Silmarillion. This is like pre-Silmarillion. But this is just kind of like a little thing about Fingolfin. In that vast shadow once of yore, Fingolfin stood, his shield he bore, with field of heaven's blue and star, of crystal shining pale afar. In overmastering wrath and hate, desperate he smote upon that gate, the gnomish king there standing lone, while endless fortresses of stone engulfed the thin clear ream keen of silver horn and baldric green. Wow. And it, 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 uh, Tolkien, um, substituted uh, Noldor for Gnomish. So it was Gnomish. The gnomes were the Noldor, but then he changed it to Noldor because it was more of his own invention rather than just using the gnomes. Yeah. So. Lays are so cool. Those, like, the, yeah, the epic style. poems. Yeah, yeah, I like those. They're cool, dude. Yeah. I like reading them. I gotta get that, like, the actual Lay of Lathian. You have but to, Grant. Grant has to. I'm looking at... Grant has to. I'm looking at Jay with <laughs> distaste. With with has to eyes. With has to. <laughs> he has to do me. <laughs> hey, do me eyes is what I'm saying. <laughs> has to eyes. So yeah, has, has to eyes. <laughs> okay. Uh, during their duel, Fingolfin managed to wound Morgoth seven times with his sword Ringiel, which means something like shining cold. And it was said to like glitter like an icicle, kind of, before he was finally struck down. Seeing this from afar, Thorandor, Lord of Eagles, came and clawed at the face of Morgoth, and he rescued the High King's broken body and brought it to the high peaks of Gondolin, where his son Turgon laid his body in a cairn. The claw marks on his face scarred, and the wounds Fingolfin dealt to his legs never healed fully, and Morgoth ever after walked with a limp and never accepted any challenges again and never left his uh, dungeons of Eggband. So Fingolfin Mm -hmm. really did a number on him. Yeah. Just one elf. That's pretty Just cool. Just one elf. That's why he's one of my favorite, because he dared, like, face Morgoth, and then he actually injured him so much that Morgoth never wanted to leave his one fortress. One Seven wounds. Yeah. So, thus ended the first High King of the Noldor, Fingolfin, and his son, his eldest son, Fingon, then became High King after his death, yeah. and that is where I will let Jay talk. Now it's Jay's turn to talk. 
And Jay's going to talk about Thin Gun. Um, and then he's going to stop talking in third person now. So, uh, Thin Gun, like Grant said, is the eldest son of Thin Uh He was also called Thin Gun the Valiant. Uh, pretty self-explanatory. He was just a valiant guy. Yeah, it's sick. Um, so he was born in Amman. I mean, this you're gonna probably hear some stuff repeated because I'm telling it from Fingon's perspective. But Grant kind of went over the whole family story with Fingolfin because he w- they're all involved. You know, it's one big family. Um, so he did go to Middle Earth with Feanor, but uh, he, uh, him and his family went more for or to rule their own realm in adventurism rather than vengeance in the recovery of the Silmarils. In uh, he fought in the first king slaying, like Grant said, Fingon or Fingolfin did, uh, but it was only because um he saw elf and elf fighting, because uh, that's what the kinsling is, kin as in family, uh, and he believed that the Teleri had been told to prevent the Noldor from leaving Amon by force by the Valar, so uh, that's why he fought. He wasn't fighting for the reasons that Feanor was fighting for to get those ships, um, but so he didn't have they didn't fight for they fought for the wrong reason but like the right reason but like the wrong reason they had they had uh what good is intentions it? good intentions they had good yeah. intentions but either way they they messed up dude Dang. so like grant said uh he crossed the hellcrack say with his with his fam um and arrived in middle earth to witness the uh, rising of the sun so grant talked about this just a little bit but i'm gonna go more into depth on it um with Maedros, um, Fingon's cousin, uh, and friend, they were friends, friends and cousins, you know, because all, cu- all, no, not all cousins are friends, but not all friends, I was gonna say all cousins are friends, but not all friends are cousins, but that doesn't make any sense, <laughs> not all friends are cousins, and not all cousins are friends, I'll leave it at that, so, um, Maedros was hung upon the wrist, or by the wrist upon Thangordrim, um, and Fingon went to Thangordrim to help, uh, with help of Thrandor, Lord of Eagles, uh, to find Maedros, and they found him. But Maedros begged Fingon to kill him because he was in so much pain and agony and was just like, well, I'm screwed. Um, and Fingon, instead of doing that, he cut off the hand of Maedros at the wrist and brought him back to the Noldorn, Noldorn camp. So I'm going to quick read part of that section just so you get a little taste of what happened. So this starts... Then Fingon found what he sought, which is uh, Maedros. Um, for suddenly above him, far and faint, th- his song was taken up, and a voice answering called to him. Maedros it was that sang amid his torment. But Fingon climbed to the foot of the precipice where his kinsmen hung, and then could go no further. And he wept when he saw the cruel device of Morgoth. Maedros, therefore, being with anguish, without hope, begged Fingon to shoot him with his bow. And Fingon strung an arrow and bent his bow and seeing no better hope he cried to manway saying o king to whom all the birds are dear speed now this feathered shaft and recall some pity for the noldor in their need his prayer was answered swiftly for manway to whom all the birds are dear and to whom they bring news upon tiniquatil from middle earth had sent forth a race of eagles commanding them to dwell in the crags of the north and to keep watch upon morgoth for manway still had pity and for the exiled elves. Um, and then I'll skip down. Uh, now even as Fingon bent his bow. There flew down from the high airs. Thorondor king of eagles. Mightiest of all the birds that have ever been. Whose outstretched wings snapped 30 fathoms. Spanned not snapped. 
spanned 30 fathoms. In staying Fingon's hand, he took him up and bore him to the face of the rock where Majros hung. But Fingon could not release the well-wrought bond upon his wrist, nor sever it, nor draw it from the stone. Again, therefore, again, therefore, in his pain, Majros begged that he would slay him, but Fingon cut his hand above the wrist, and Thrandor bore him back to Mithrim. So, yeah, that's kind of like that, what is it, like 28 hours movie or whatever? Yeah. Or it's a real life, but it was also a movie. 47? Yeah, however long, you know. He guy cut off his own arm, except for uh, Fingon came and saved his cousin and friend. Right. Um, so it was an act of bravery. Oh, wait, let me tell you where that was in case you want to read that whole section. That's in the Silmarillion, The Return of the Noldor. So if you want to read the rest of that, it's in that there. Um, so it was an act of bravery and compassion that resolved the dispute as to whose house would rule over the Noldor in Middle-earth. Uh because Majros renounced his claim to high kingship of the Noldor and then instead ceding it to the House of Fingolfin, like Grant said. And then once Fingolfin died, uh, Fingon became the high king. Um, and, uh, you know, not everybody lives forever. So, well, some elves Amen. do. Some elves do, but Fingon's final battle was near Nith Arnoidiad, which is a cool name and a cool battle. So Fingon led the attack on Angban, and, and the fury of his warriors nearly won the day. Unfortunately, due to Ulfang's treachery, Maedros did not arrive until three days after he was expected. Uh, this resulted in Morgoth releasing his Balrogs and Glaurung, the dragon, on the already weakened Noldor force. Um, when Maedros did arrive, uh, he was hope was reborn for Fingon's army. Um, but then he, then Majros withdrew. So Fingon was surrounded and his guards were killed. And then he dueled Gothmog, Lord of the Balrogs. But he was killed. So I'm also going to read part of that. And this is in the Silmarillion, the fifth battle. Um, let me see. Okay. At last Fingon stood alone with his guard dead about him. And he fought with Gothmog until another Balrog came behind and cast his thong of fire about him. Then... <laughs> It, I know it says thong, dude. Yeah, I know, you paused right at Because <laughs> I, I thought, does that say throng or thong? Okay. At last, Fingon stood alone with his guard dead about him, and he fought with Gothmog until another Balrog came behind and cast his thong of fire around him. Then Gothmog hewed him with his black axe, and white flames sprung up from the helm of Fingon as it was cloven. Thus fell the high king of Noldor, and they beat him into the dust with their maces, and his banner... Blue and silver, they trod into the mire of his blood. So that's a. I'm sorry, I keep laughing. <laughs> it's okay. It was a silent laugh. <laughs> I kept laughing because he said Gothmong. <laughs> oh, I said Goth. Wait, really? It was like at one point. I can't oh, I'm not rereading that. It was just so funny to me. But Gothmong. It was like um, basically, <laughs> Gothmong. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm only foe. Gothmong. Okay, so uh, yeah. I'm sorry. So Fingon died, and the they beat him into the dust with their maces and his banner, blue and silver. They trod in the mire of his blood. That's ba, dude. BA. That's overkill. 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 The Halo announcer yeah, was, said that when that say. happened. Overkill. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, Fingon bit the dust, turned into dust, and blood. And um, and I'm gonna read. And you know what they say in Middle Earth. Another one bites, bites the, the dust. dust. 
Don't do it too good, Grant. We're going to get copyright strike. I'm just kidding. Asha bam, bam, bam. Okay, so this is, um, you know, I'm not a millionaire, so I don't own the history of Middle Earth, all the volumes. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> oh, my gosh. I wish. Yeah. So, but in the history of Middle Earth, um, Tolkien describes Fingon like this. His valor was of fire, yet steadfast as the hills of stone. Wise he was in skilled and voice and hand. Troth and justice he loved. Wait, <laughs> that's probably supposed to say truth, but they wrote it on the fandom website as troth. Unless it is troth and justice. It has to be truth and it justice. It has to be truth, yeah. Okay, it's spelled T-R-O-T-H. I'll just say truth. Truth and justice he loved and bore goodwill to all, both elves and men, hating Morgoth only. He sought not his own, neither power nor glory, and death was his reward. So, Fingon was a good guy. Solid guy. And um, he was the eldest, and he lived up to being the eldest. But you want me to go into Turgon now? Or you got a little uh, something? Let's take a little ad break. That's actually a good idea, Grant. Thanks, man. Uh, finally got a good idea from Grant. Hey everyone, have you been wondering where you can see the behind the scenes of this podcast or correct us when we inevitably get something wrong on the podcast? Well, I'm here to let you know. You can find us on Instagram at exploringmiddle underscore earth or on Twitter at expmiddleearth. If you don't want to look those up, links to both of those will be in the show notes. Okay, welcome back to Exploring Middle Earth. Uh, hope you enjoyed the ad. Um, now we're going to pick back up with the second son of Finn Golfin, Turgon. So, Turgon, Turgon, what's the word on? Turgon <laughs> and his wife, Ellenway, um, crossed the Helcaraxe together. But sadly, she did not make it. Bro. She died. But his That's daughter, tough. Idril, uh came to Neverest, where he built Vin- Vinyamar. Vinyamar. And gathered to, hi- gathered to him one-third of the Noldor of Fingolfin and a large number of Sindar. And then, this is big, in the year of the First Age, 50, Turgon was instructed by Olmo, who is the Valar, um, to prepare a secret kingdom and was shown a hidden valley um, in the encircling mountains. So, I'm going to quick read about that. Quick, just quick. This is from the Return of the Noldor in um, the Silmarillion. But Olmo, upon, er, but Olmo, coming up the river, laid a deep sleep upon them. That's Turgon and fin, Finrod. Um, laid a deep sleep upon them in heavy dreams, and the, troubled, and the trouble of the dreams remained after they woke, but neither said aught to the other, for their memory was not clear, and each believed that Olmo had sent a message to him alone. I'm going to skip a little doodly-doo. But Turgon remembered the city set upon the hill, Tyrion, the fair, with its tower and tree, and he found not what he sought, but returned to Neverest and sat in peace in Vinimar by the shores of the sea. And the next year, Olmo himself appeared and bade him to go forth alone into the Vale of Syrian, and Turgon went forth, and by the guidance of Olmo, he discovered the hidden Vale of the Tumladen in the encircling mountains in the midst of which there was a hill of stone. 
of this he spoke to none as of yet but remembered or returned once more to Neverath, and there began in his secret council to devise a plan of a city after the manner of Tyrion upon Tuna, for which his heart yearned in exile. So, um, Olmo, he also told, you can hear about Olmo's and Finrod, Finrod's journey together in one of our past episodes. Um, but, uh, Omo also told Turgon to build a city. So after 52 years of secret labor, Turgon led his people into Gondolin, where he ruled for over 500 years. Um, and he mostly ignored the events of the Wars of Beleriand. Just kept to himself, you know. Chill. He was just being chill about yeah. it. Um, so about 200 years after Gondolin was created, uh, Turgon's sister, Aradrell. Is that how you say it? Arathel. Arathel. You know, it's, it's tough because there's no th. Did you Arthel. did you unpause the recording or? Yeah, it's going. Okay, I just want to make sure. Yeah, yeah, for real, for real. I've so known you, sis- I've known you to to not. <laughs> yeah, his sister Arathel. Oh, the listeners don't know me to do that because there's no proof of it. Right. There's right. no proof that I ever did that. I know you to do that, but there's no recorded proof that I did that. You can even cut out the fact that I said that, and they still wouldn't know. Yeah. So, <laughs> ter- so after two hundred years. Uh, Gondol- after Gondolin was built, Turgon or er, founded, Turgon's sister Arathel journeyed to meet with the sons of Feanor, um, and and that's gonna go right back to my main man Grant t- to talk about the lady of Skibidibop-boop. Fingolfin's daughter. Yeah, so, uh, Fingolfin's only daughter Arathel, also called Arfaniel, which means noble white lady. Oh, and then also Arathel meant noble elf. Yeah. Yeah, so for real, uh, and I had burps. Sorry, my bad. No, totally. In Sindarin, uh, she was born in the year of the trees, thirteen sixty-two. She was the youngest daughter of Fingolfin, but had one younger sibling, Argon, who I talked about earlier. Uh, it was said she was tall and strong, and would often go hunting in the woodlands with the sons of Fanar, with whom she was fond of. But you remember, it said in that little passage, she never fell in love with them. She was just fond of them. Yes, she was like friends with them. Um, and I think technically they were half cousins, so there. I don't know how that works, but her half, I guess her or her dad's half brother, their kids, so whatever kind of cousin, half cousin. You know, it's all messy. I don't know. Uh, and her skin skin was pale, and her hair was dark, and she always wore silver and white. Classic, classic. Um, and yeah, she went with her father and all of her siblings to leave Valinor for Middle Earth, even though her mother stayed behind. And when she arrived in Middle-earth, she stayed at first um, with uh, Turgon and Vinyamar in the land of Nevras, like Jay was saying. Mm-hmm. And then when Turgon built Gondolin in secret, she moved with him. Um, I'm basically just reiterating what Jay just said already, but I'll get to it. I'll get to it. And then, like Jay said, after about 200 years of living in the secret city, she longed once more for the forest in the open air in the wide lands of Beleriand, and she asked her brother, the king, for the permi- for the permission, mm-hmm. for permission to leave the city despite the strict rules regarding the, sec- the secrecy and admission to the city. But Turgon had grace for his sister and allowed an armed escort to go with her to experience once more the wide lands of Beleriand. So uh, instead of going to visit her elder brother, Fingon, to the northwest, like she uh, told her brother, sh- or, yeah, her brother she would do, uh, she went against her escort to go visit the sons of Feanor, uh, with whom she was friends with. Nonetheless, her guards were ordered to go with her wherever she went, so even if 
she disobeyed her brother. They still had to go with her. Uh, they went to seek passage through Doriath, but they were denied access due to being uh, of the Noldor, and the Sindar did not want any of their treacherous kind coming to their through their borders. So they were actually forced to go north through the dreadland of Nandungorthev under the arid Gorgoroth. It was an evil land because that was where the spawn of Ungoliant dwelt in cold and dark valleys. Basically a bunch of big spiders. Yeah, <laughs> scary, big scary um, spiders. And, and in that land, Arathel was separated from her guards, and after looking for them for a while, uh, she ended up um, away to the east, and she continued on eastwards and northwards to the lands of Kelagorm and Kurofin about Himlad, um, which is where they lived. So... Uh, I guess it's not really north. It's just mostly east. Never mind. Yeah, bother. Okay. Don't bother with that. Uh, so anyways, uh, when she arrived there to their dwelling, Kelogorm and Kurofin were actually away hunting in Thargelion, so Arathel was forced to wait for them in their own lands. And while she waited, she grew bored and desired to travel about in short walks um, because, you know, she liked to hunt. She liked to go walking through the woods and she stuff like that. She was a tomboy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it said she was tall and strong, so, you know. Um... Yeah, so on one of these walks, she strayed a little too close to the borders of the woodland named Nan Elmoth. In this forest lived the dark elf named Aeol, or Eol, depending on how white, how you want to pronounce it. I just say Aeol because it seems... Sounds like, like you're saying a-hole. A-hole. <laughs> he kind of was an a-hole, <laughs> uh, along with his household, lived in that forest. Now I'm going to read a passage. Do it, Grant. This is a longer one, too, so... Do it. I, f- I feel like I've got all my burps out, so I think I'm okay. <laughs> so this is starting <laughs> This is starting in the chapter of the Silmarillion called Of Myglin. Um, and it's in my version, it's page, it's at the bottom of 132, and then it continues on until 133 is where I'm reading. So here we go. <coughs> Red leather, yellow leather. Okay, we're good. Uh, here we go. But Arathel, having sought in vain for her companions, rode on, for she was fearless and hardy of heart, as were all the children of Finway. And she held on her way, and crossing Escaldilin and Aros, she came to the land of Himlad between Aros and Kelon, where Kelagorm and Kurofin dwelt in those days, before the breaking of the siege of Angband. At that time they were from home, riding with Caranthir east in Thargelion. But the people of Kelagorm welcomed her and bade her stay among them with honor until their lord's return. There for a while she was content and had great joy in wandering free in the woodlands. But as the year lengthened and Kelagorm did not return, she became restless again and took to riding ever alone further abroad, seeking for new paths and untrodden glades. Thus it chanced in the waning of the year that Arathel came to the south of Himlad and passed over Kelon, and before she was aware, she was enmeshed in Nan Elmoth. In that wood in ages past, Melian walked in the twilight of Middle-earth when the trees were young, and enchantment lay upon it still. But now the trees of Nan Elmoth were the tallest and darkest in all of Beleriand, and there the sun never came, and there Aeol dwelt, who was named the Dark Elf. Of old he was of the kin of Thingol, but he was restless and ill at ease in Doriath, and when the girdle of Melian was set about the forest of Region, where he dwelt he fled thence to Nan Elmoth. There he lived in deep shadow, loving the night and the twilight under the stars. He shunned the Noldor, holding them to blame for the return of Morgoth, to trouble the quiet of Beleriand. But for the dwarves he had more liking than any other of the elven folk of old. From him the dwarves learned much of what passed in the lands of the Eldar. 
Now the traffic of the dwarves down from the Blue Mountains followed two roads across East Beleriand, and the northern way, going towards the fords of Aros, passed nigh to Nan Elmoth, and there Eol would meet the Naugrim and hold converse with them. The Naugrim is the elvish word for dwarves. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and as their friendship grew, he would at times go and dwell as guest in the deep mansions of Nagrad or Belagost. There he learned much of metalwork and came to great skill therein. He devised a metal as hard as the steel of dwarves, but so malleable that he could make it thin and supple, and yet it remained resistant to all blades and darts. He named it Galvorn, for it was black and shining like jet, and he was clad in it whenever he went abroad. But Eol, though stooped by his smithwork, was no dwarf, but a tall elf of high kin of the Teleri, noble though grim of face, and his eyes could see deep into shadows and dark places. And it came to pass that he saw Arathel Arfeniel, as she strayed among the tall trees near the borders of Nan Elmoth, a gleam of white in the dim land. <coughs> Very fair she seemed to him, and he desired her, and he set his enchantments about her so that she could not find the ways out, but drew ever nearer to his dwelling in the depths of the wood. There was his smithy, and his dim halls, and such servants as he had, silent and secret as their master. And when Arathel, weary with wandering, came at last to his doors, he revealed himself. And he welcomed her, and led her into his house. And there she remained, for Eol took her to wife, and it was long ere any of her kin heard of her again. And then one more little paragraph. Okay. Okay. Just be a little bit more patient. <sighs> okay. Yeah. It is not said that Arathel was wholly unwilling, nor that her life in Nen Elmoth was hateful to her for many years. For though at Eol's command she must shun the sunlight, they wandered far together under the stars, or by the light of the sickle moon, or she might fare alone as she would, save that Eol forbade her to seek the sons of Feanor, or any others of the Noldor. And Arathel bore to Eol a son in the shadows of Nan Elmoth, and in her heart she gave him a name in the forbidden tongue of the Noldor, Lomian, that signifies child of the twilight. But his father gave him no name until he was twelve years old. Then he called him Maeglin, which is sharp glance, for he perceived that the eyes of his son were more piercing than his own and his thought could read the secrets of hearts beyond the mist of words. Wow. So that was like a page and a half. Uh, wow. But it was fun. I felt I felt like it explained a lot, and I, I would probably be talking the same amount, so I feel like that probably explained it better. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so Aeol uh, basically enchants uh, Arathel to wander further into the woods of Nan Elmoth where he lived, and then... He fell in love with her and took her to marry, and they had a kid named Maeglin. Um And, yeah, so uh, one of the uh, – Aeol would go at times to the dwarves because he was friends with them. He would go at times uh, to learn from them and have feasts with them, and he would be away, and then it would be just Maeglin and Arathel. And uh, – Arathel, during this time, would teach her son the ways of the Noldor and would tell him of the secret city of Gondolin, and this rekindled in Arathel the desire to return to her family and kindled within Maeglin the desire to see this fair city, and also because of the fact that he knew that um, Turgon did not have any heirs because his wife died in the Helcaraxe, as Jay said. Mm-hmm. So Maeglin was like, well, this could be a good opportunity for me to become king in my own time. So... <coughs> Um, so Arathel and Maeglin, uh, planned to, uh, escape while Eol was away with the dwarves. Um, and so they did, and they, they fled the dusky woods of Nan Elmoth, and they went to find Gondolin. 
but Ael came home early and discovered them not far gone, so he tracked them and uh, chased after them all the way to the secret entrance of Gondolin. And while Arathel and Maeglin were well received by Turgon, Ael was not, because he was well known amongst the Noldor as some sort of creepy, mysterious elf. Mm-hmm. So his doom was named as such. He could either die where he stood or stay in Gondolin until his death. For the city was so hidden that Torgon would allow none that he did not trust closer than a brother to leave. Ael was proud and did not heed the judgment of the king and took a spear to kill both himself and his son. And when he threw it at Maeglin, Arathel went to block it and she caught the spear, but with her chest. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and unbeknownst she caught to her, it <laughs> with her body. <laughs> and unbeknownst to her and the others, its tip was poisoned and she died painfully. Oof. Killed his wife. Yeah. So that's the end of Arathel Arfeniel, which means noble elf, noble white lady. So what happened to Eel after that? He, uh, the next day, uh, obviously Turgon was wrathful that he killed his sister. Mm -hmm. So he sentenced him to death. He did not give him any choice. Um, and he sentenced him to death and he threw him off, uh, this cliff called the Karagdor. Um, and, uh, and but before he was thrown off, I mean, I'll save this. I can save more of this story for later when we talk about Ale, maybe. Then, but, then stop. But no, I want to. I okay. want to talk about it for a second. Okay. Um, and when Ale was about to be thrown off the cliff, uh, his son Myglin was standing there because Myglin obviously was upset that his father just killed his mom, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so. I hate you, Dad. I hate you, Dad. You just killed Mom. <laughs> <laughs> the heck. <laughs> uh, and so my or Ale said something like, uh, like join me or like, um like put an end to this or something like that like make the king uh like uh change his mind or something like that um or else he would be cursed to the same death and so ale was thrown off the cliff and he died below on a bunch of rocks and then actually myglin is killed later during the fall of gondolin um when he comes up against two war and he is thrown off that same exact cliff and Dang. he dies there too so wow yeah, the curse came true. Yeah, so that's all I've got on RFL and Yeah, so back to Turgon. Back to Turgon. In the city of Gondolin. So Turgon joined the Union of Maedros, uh, with an army of ten thousand strong and fought alongside his brother Fingon in the near ninth Arnoidiad, which we know sadly Fingon died. Dang. Um but the sacrifice of Hurin and Hur and the third house of the Adine enabled him to retreat without revealing his lo- or the location of Gondolin. So he was able to get back to Gondolin with under the radar. Loki. Under the raid. Under the raid. Yeah. Uh, so in Tour, who Grant just mentioned with Manglin's, uh, he killed Manglin. Um, when Tour came to Gondolin in first stage 49-6, 496, I don't know why I read 496 like that. Came to Gondolin in 496 of the first stage. Uh, Torgon welcomed him, but in his pride he refused to follow the advice of Ulmo to flee the havens of Sirion. Because Ulmo came and was like, hey, I can't reverse this doom of the Noldor. Um, and he gave him some advice. But um, So the full malice of Morgoth was now directed upon Torg- Torgon. 
in the last house of Finway to control the realm of Middle-earth. Um, and uh, so, at last, aided by the treachery of Manglin, uh, Morgoth discovered the location of Gondolin, and Turgon was slayed defending the city. It's actually a crazy story. We should do yeah. a whole story on the fall of Gondolin. It's also, the standalone book is really good, too. Yeah, it's an insane story. But I'm going to quick read a little part of it. Just a little part of from the Silmarillion, not from the standalone Yeah, book. right, right. Now let me feel... Uh, Man, that was crazy. <laughs> let me feel. Let me feel. I mean, let me... I meant to... I meant to say... <laughs> I meant to say... Let me find. Okay. <laughs> okay, so this is from... Of Tour in the Fall of Gondolin in the Silmarillion. And it says... Of the deeds of the desperate valor done there by the chieftains of the noble houses of the warriors, and not the least by Tour, which is told, in, which is much told in the Fall of Gondolin, of the battle of the Exilion of the Fountain of Gothmog, Lord of the Balrogs, in the very square of the king, where each slew the other, and as the defense of the tower of Turgon by his people and his household, until a tower was overthrown and the mighty. And mighty was its fall in the fall of Torgon in its room. So Torgon dies with his city. Dang. Well, city doesn't die, but I guess it does. City falls. He does. Too. Yeah, what? Yeah. He dies. And that's all I have on Torgon. Dang. Do you have more? No. Then that's it. That's good. That's good. And that's it. And we can always do like single character episodes. Single. Too. And Torgon's single because his wife died. Oh, man. That was tough. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah so that. Is all we've got on the children of Fingolfin. Yes. Fingolfin. Fingolfin, not Dolphin's golfing. <laughs> Fingolfin, <laughs> uh, top five characters for me. Yeah. Fingon, I like him, but probably not top Fingolfin, five. Fingolfin, possible goat. <laughs> possible po- goat of he's Middle possibly Earth. Possibly a goat. Possibly a goat. It says he's an elf, but yeah. I'm not convinced. I think he's a goat. Yeah. Um, Turgon, sick. Sicko. Uh, Arathel, sick. sick. Argon, Dies, but but sick. sick. <laughs> Actually, all of these people die. All these so. die, but are sick. But are sick. But they don't die of sickness because elves can't die of sickness. You're right. They can only die of death. They can die of death. <laughs> <laughs> they can die from, uh, like yeah, like wounds. extreme wounds, and then yeah. heartbreak also. Heartbreak. <laughs> yeah, which is kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> so trivia. Somebody dying of heartbreak is not funny, Grant. Okay. My bad. Not funny. Trivia, you want right. to go back and forth? I, back yeah, and we forth? go back and forth. You first or me first? I go for Okay. Uh, how many times did Fingolfin injure Morgoth in his duel with him? Seven, dude. You got it, man. I remember that because that's kind of like a biblical reference. Yeah, Seven's it's like, a big Bible number. Big Bible number. Also, yeah. Tolkien uses it like everywhere. He uses yeah. the number seven everywhere. Every. Yeah. <laughs> I said every. every <laughs> <laughs> what did I say? That sounded I, weird. I thought you said it normally. Oh, I thought I didn't for a sec. Um, I'm but crazy. yeah, seven. Yep, you got it. Yeah. You want me to go? Who is Turgon's wife? Hmm. Ellen Way. Ellen Way. Yeah. A. Not I'm Ellen from the TV show, Ellen. <laughs> Ellen Way. Ellen Way, dude. Uh, okay. How old are you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm only four. <laughs> you got it. That's what I typed on as the answer. Wait, are you re- Is that really the <laughs> no, question? That's not the, that was just a fun one. Uh, where did Ale the Dark Elf live? Ooh, I don't know. I can't. I can't remember. I know because you were researching when yeah, I was talking about I was, it. You tricked me, Grant. <laughs> I was reading. Uh, let me guess. It's in some deep dark forest. Yeah. Um. 
It's not on a map of Middle Earth in <laughs> in the Third Age. I know. I was just looking for fun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. The woods of death. I don't know. No, the first word is Nan. <laughs> nan. Like your Nan. Nantucket. No. no. Uh, <laughs> Nantucket. <laughs> um. Nan. Give me another letter. E. E. That's the start of the second word. Nanny. Nanny. <laughs> Nan E L. Nanny L. I don't know. So Nan L. Nan L. Garlmarth. Is that close? No. <laughs> you you Nan- raised your eyebrows. Nan like Nan Elm. Elm. I I'm not gonna get it. You just have to give it to Nan me. Nan Elm. Ah. <laughs> Nan Elmar. Nan Elmoth. Elmoth. Yeah. Nan Elmoth. Oh, I was so close. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah. yeah, so you you got one right. I did not get that one right though. Um, you tricked me. No That's okay though. I no. should have been listening. I so I apologize to everyone. Hey guys, this is Jay here. I didn't really want to make a podcast like this, but you know. Hey guys, this is just the editor's cut. We just wanted to <laughs> <laughs> just wanted to apologize for Jay's incompetence. Um, Grant, hit here's me. Your question: How long did it take Turgon to get Gondolin ready to be inhabited? Oh. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> uh, I'll give you a hint. It's in years, <laughs> not <laughs> yeah. days, not hours, not hours, not minutes. Dang. Years. <laughs> so he got the idea in the year fifty. 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 You Sorry, 50. not fifty. Fifty. Okay. Uh, and I'm not gonna tell you when it was finished because then you can do the math. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't want you to do the math. Um. It's like. Here, wait. I'll give you a range of five. If you get it. Above, uh-uh. okay. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. If you get it I, yeah. within five, within five, above or below. If you get it right on, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pause this podcast and <laughs> let it go. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't like, know. Hey, uh, hey, hey, I don't know. Uh, 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 fifty-five. Fifty-five is your final guess. Yeah. Fifty-two. So you did it. You Aww, got within five, dude. Oh yeah. Fifty-two. I was gonna say I didn't wait. You said 55? Yeah. It's supposed to be 55. No, but <laughs> dang. 55. <laughs> I got it wrong. Um, yeah, because I, I was trying to think. I don't I don't think it took 100 years. No. And I didn't think it took 50 years, but I guess 52 was close. But I yeah. was like, I didn't want to stray too far away from 50 because I thought it might be that. You so. got it within five, so that's good. Yeah. Congrats. Sick. Just used basic reasoning. Basic reasoning. That's just basic reasoning. I don't know why nobody can get that. Yeah. I don't know why everybody's oh, so dumb. Maybe because they're all four. <laughs> they all four. Uh, yeah. So thanks for listening to this episode. Uh, as of right now. Actually, when this episode is released, then episode five of the Rings of Power will have just dropped. Yeah. Also, and hopefully we'll get the episode out at that time. Jay's that got Jay's got an episode, Rings of Power Half Hour, on episode four. That came out last Monday, which yeah. is today. And, heck? and so I'm not uh, – obviously, I don't have anything to say on it because I'm not doing the commentary for it. But I will yeah. just say that was probably my favorite episode so far. Yeah. Was it your favorite Rings of Power half hour episode? I, ha- <laughs> I, I haven't listened to it. I haven't listened to it yet. <laughs> I technically – technically, I did listen to it because I spoke it. That's crazy. Yeah. You know what I do? What? Is as, – well, whenever it's, like, uploaded, even though, like, it was, it's, like, the same day as I record it, mm-hmm. as soon as it's uploaded, I listen to it. Really, I don't listen to it. I don't know why, but I just listen to it just to make sure it sounds okay. I think. Oh, yeah. I sometimes I listen to our episodes uh, because I think we're funny. 
Even I though do, I already know I, what it says, I still laugh at I it. Do, I do the same <laughs> thing, too, because I, I listen to them mostly just because, well, we'll get some views in there. Mm-hmm. But then, <laughs> but then um, also because I'm like, oh, there's something funny that we said, and I can't remember <laughs> what it is, so I just listen through the whole thing. Yeah, sometimes yeah. I listen to it, and if you say something, I'll be like, oh, it'd be funny if I said that, and then I do say it, and I'm like, I'm thinking the same as I did before. <laughs> Or like that'd be a funny joke if somebody said that. And you're then the you same say it. person as you were a week ago. Yeah, <laughs> I think the same. That's awesome. But yeah, if you keep that week up, week after week, you'll never, never change. change. Never change. Wow. Some serious matrix stuff. We going just got on. really deep. Yeah, we just got really deep on this podcast. A little too deep. After all, this is technically a deep dive podcast into Middle Earth. Deep dive so. into Finn Golfin's family. What will we find? I'm going to take a deep dive in your mom. <laughs> oh, no. Ah. Ooh, good <laughs> thing okay. my mom doesn't listen to this. <laughs> uh, Jay's mom, he just burped. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah, so next episode will come out when it does, and we don't know what it's going to be about, but we'll figure it we out. We have a fair idea. What is the idea? The other child of Fenway and his family. Oh, yeah. Fingal- We're just going through families, dude. I guess so. I feel like yeah. it would make sense if we just complete the complete the circle, or if we never complete it, and we leave them at a cliffhanger. Oh, we should do keep that. them on their toes. Yeah, just don't put this part in, so they'll never know. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening. We'll see you guys later. And as always. <laughs>